Hi everybody, this is John Forrester with Out of Character. Since today is um, May the 4th be with you and tomorrow is, you know, Revenge of the 5th and everything is Star Warsy, I thought this would be a good chance to talk about the Fantasy Flight Star Wars role-playing games. I have a lot of the material for these for these various games that they came up with. I've been going back and forth about actually doing a podcast about it because my opinion on it has really varied. I, I wanted to take a lot of time and try out a lot of the different things with the game and really understand it before I started talking about it in a review form. So I do have a lot to say about this. Uh, I apologize this is not an actual play podcast. This is more of just a discussion of the games. So if you're looking for actual play, I will hopefully have something for you shortly. I have some podcast to edit. Fantasy Flight did come out with technically three role-playing games for Star Wars, those being Edge of the Empire, Age of Rebellion, and The Force and Destiny books. Each of the books presents very similar material that is compatible between each of, you know, different things. Uh, basically, Edge of the Empire is characters who are existing on the, literally on the edge of the Empire. It's set, you know, after the Senate has fallen out of power and usually either during the Empire's reign or right around the time that, like, everyone's at war right before the Rebellion's really found its ground. Um, lots of characters in there. You're going to have uh, very Han Solo-esque characters. This is, like, where you're going to see lots of smugglers and uh, mercenaries, hired guns, bounty hunters, Boba Fetts. This is that book. This is the book for, like, all, you know, the scum and villainy of the universe that we love from Star Wars. Age of Rebellion is... Pretty much, it's almost entirely focused on the actual reb- rebellion. This is where you're going to see like aces, uh, you know, soldiers, military characters, a lot of commanders, and things like that. Uh, you know, you may see like Princess Leia, uh, Luke Skywalker before he started using the Force and everything. So there's a lot of fun stuff to be had there. And Force and Destiny is the book that's basically all things Force users and Jedi. This is where you're going to see everything from Jedi Knights to. Uh, the, the Sith to the uh, the Dark Sisters of Dathomir. All those things are some of the examples of what's in those books. So I'm going to try to do this in a logical way and go through my thoughts here one at a time. At the present, I have all three core books. I have three of the source books that they've come out with and I have two of the starter sets. I have the Age of Rebellion starter set because I really like the artwork for it and it looked like a lot of fun and the Force and Destiny starter set, as well as the GM kit, which came with the for Force and Destiny. So as far as the source books, I've got Desperate Allies, I've got a new, a relatively new one, Special Modifications, and Stay on Target. I'm going to go through just kind of what my thoughts are about the game and also share some of the ideas about what, what's come out here. So Fantasy Flight came out with a very, with, with a really interesting idea in that they basically took Star Wars and they kind of sifted it and divided the aspects that make up Star Wars into like three very separate things. You have, you know, the Han Solo aspect, which is kind of like the cowboy, the western, the outlaw guys. You have the military characters in Age of Rebellion who are, you know, again, like Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker characters. Again, this is before Luke. You know, I'm not going to lose Luke Skywalker. We'll say Poe Dameron because he's just easier to use as an example. And Force and Destiny is like just Jedi. It's just Force users. The thing that's annoying about that is, to me, a Star Wars universe is all those things together. Now, there's nothing stopping you from 
getting the books and you know making characters that all come from various settings in these books but it's just weird it, it's very strange to do it that way and the thing that makes it impractical is these books are not cheap by any stretch of the imagination I have seen them go for like 60 bucks a pop um, now that they've, they've been around for a while you can probably get them for like $50 something in that range I would say uh, if you're going on Amazon or if you manage to get a used copy at a friendly local game store so to have all three core books, you're looking at anywhere from I'm going to say let's say $150 to $210. Bucks. That's a lot of money. That's a high buy-in. And you're not done there. This is just the core stuff. This is like so you have as many options as possible. Let's say you really like a certain race, they're only in one book. Yes, you can borrow a copy of the book, but if you want to have everything, that's a big buy-in. That's a lot to ask for people who are just starting out in RPGs. And the thing that's frustrating is there are distinct things in each of these books, um, but a lot of the material is reused. Uh, obligations and duties and all that stuff, they're just recycled. You know, the equipment lists are a little bit varied, but generally they're, they're pretty similar. It, it's just kind of strange to expect people to, to shell out that much money to get the full experience of, of the game. And again, it's Star Wars is probably one of the most expensive licenses you could have, and they have Fantasy Flight has to make up their money on it. I, I, I almost wish they'd just done one book and said it was going to be $100 or $150. Yeah, you're going to get a lot of people who are going to balk at that because the price is so high. High cost for those books is always going to potentially drive down sales but each time I got one of these books and flipped through it I didn't feel like I had the complete experience of Star Wars I felt like I had a third of what I wanted and if you're planning to run a game you probably want a little bit of everything I'll be honest with you I'm not going to settle for like one thing you know if you're playing a game, then yes, maybe you're doing a Rebellion game and you buy the core rule book for Age of Rebellion and you're happy with that and you're good and you have fun. Great. Fantastic. I don't care for the way these books were divided up and I don't care for the price tag that came attached. It's, it's too high of a buy-in and it irritated me from the consistently from the word go. The next thing I want to talk about here is the custom dice. Fantasy Flight loves custom dice. They put them in so many of their games... I don't hate custom dice. Um, one game that I do play a lot that I like, and you guys have heard me talk about a lot, is Fate. Or uh, Fate Accelerated, or the Dresden Files RPG, or any system that uses Fate. Technically, Fate does use custom dice in the form of what's called a, the fudge dice. Fudge dice are just basically a d6. If you roll a 1 or a 2, it's a negative result. If you roll a two through th- uh, 3 through 4, then it's a neutral result. If you roll a 4 through 5, it's a positive result. You add all, all your dice rolls, and that determines whether it's a positive, negative, or neutral neutral result. Simple. You'd never ha- I've been playing Fate for years. I have never bought a set of fudge dice. Why? Because while they are very cool, um, they're like 14 bucks, And if I have $14, I'd rather buy like a new A-Wing for my Star Wars X-Wing miniature game or something else. Uh, maybe buy a new adventure module or save the money and, you know, put it towards another book or something. So this game also has custom dice. The reason that I don't mind the fudge dice is because it's just a D6. You, there, there's no big math involved with turning those a regular D6's results into fudge dice results. Um, you, you can do it 
just instantly. The dice that come with this are uh, they're they're basically gaming dice. Uh, you know, there's everything from like I think they do like a a d6 through a d12. I don't think there's a d20, and I don't think there's a d4 in there. There's definitely not a d4 in there unless they're coming out with something that I haven't seen yet. I hate them, and the players that I've played the game with and seen it played by all seem to hate it because basically. It's not numbers on these dice. It's all these different symbols that, you know, well, this is that, and all these symbols add up to equate to, okay, well, you got this many successes, and you have this many advantages, so you can do X. The reason I hate it is this. Every time you make a roll in in this game, everybody is looking at their dice trying to figure out what this means, and literally it takes you out of the game every time you're making a roll. That's terrible. That's It's it's just clunky, and it adds nothing to the game. Uh, I, I... I don't see a reason to do it. Also, the way that it's put forward, it's not something that's really like quick and easy to understand. It takes a little bit of, of, of time to get used to it. And it's just, it's unnecessary. It doesn't add anything. It doesn't really bring anything new to the game. I look in the book and I look in the GM kit and I'm like, this is just badly explained, like how these dice work. Literally, there, there's a webcomic, and I, I can't remember the name now, but I'm, I'm going to look it up real quick. It... There, there's an independent webcomic that did a thing about the Star Wars the Star Wars RPG. It did a better job of explaining kind of how the dice work than the actual book itself did. Which is which is kind of irritating. Because Fantasy Flight can explain things, but it, it just it's just so oh, it's up to four players. Up if you're thinking about playing this game and you haven't picked up the books and you haven't picked up the dice, go check out up to four players. Really funny webcomic. Uh, I just started reading through it, and it is easily the best explanation for how these dice work that I have seen anywhere to date. The dice just bother me. Uh, They're $14. There is an app. Uh, It's a paid app. I'm not sure if there's a free app that someone else has made up. Uh, I'm going to make just like little laminated cards so that you have a quick reference chart for what the various symbols mean. But again, if you're going to have special dice, they should either make things easier or have some some tie-in and yes there are tie-in like you know if you have this many advantages you can take away stress on your character or you can give this character a boost or you can score a critical hit just don't do that there's no reason it's just like you you spend 70 dollars on this book let's say and i understand that's the high end but i'm going to say you spend 70 dollars on edge of the empire and you get no dice now you have to buy dice. so realistically you're just shy of a hundred bucks to have just enough stuff to start to play the game. Again, super, super high buy-in. Like, very hard to convince people who are new to RPGs to drop almost a hundred bucks on something that they've never done. So that's me complaining about the dice, and I'm sorry. I I know people are going to probably be like, well, it's so negative. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just frustrated with it, and I want to express that and share share the thought with y'all. The, the other thing that bothers me here, and this is just a GM perspective thing, when I'm watching people play this game, because I'm playing in a game and I'm running a game, one of the consistent complaints I've heard from other players is that they don't feel like they can do anything. The game that I'm playing in, I decided I wanted to make a Mon Calamari, because I like them, I think they're cool, and they're in the Age of Rebellion book. So I made a Mon Calamari, and I decided I wanted to make a Doctor, because... Why not? It was a funny idea that I had, and I ran with it. It's interesting to play that character because 
I don't think many people are going to go towards the support role in that game. It's very unusual, I think. Yes, there are other support roles. Like, there's, like, you know, every, every party's going to have the character who's kind of the voice of the party. Maybe you're a diplomat or a noble or a former senator or a Jedi consular. But to make a doctor, you are basically very focused on support. You can, of course, make, like, a field medic from Age of Rebellion and be someone who has a little bit of combat ability. I went strictly, like, I'm the most doctorous doctor there is. I know xenology. I'm really good at healing. I spent all my money on this really fancy med kit, which is, like, a medical cruiser in in a bag, basically. It's interesting to do that because while I'm doing that, I think some players might feel like they can't contribute anything. We've had three sessions and... They all ended with basically like a big encounter. Um, I don't have a problem with that because in the first encounter, our Jedi ran off to go fight a Sith while me and our pilot were basically trying to uh, save these people that they tied up. And in the other encounter that we did, it was just basically the planet was being bombarded and we were trying to escape to our space, to our ship, to our ship. And I basically hung back and uh, just heal people as much as I could. We had a Wookiee and a Jedi, and our our ace pilot was shooting people and doing a lot of damage because her rolls were really, really good. Um, And they quickly dealt with it. I managed to basically contribute to that by healing. That was what I was there to do. I don't have a problem with that. That was fine, and that was it's interesting to do that. Having said that, I know that there are definitely players who would feel like there's no incentive to, to doing that when... Yes, everyone's game can be run a certain way. You don't have to have a game that focuses on combat in any way, shape, or form. I'm not saying that. I am saying that if you try to make a character that is pure support, when combat breaks out, you may find yourself in a lot of trouble just because it's very easy to to, to get in a situation where there's just nothing you can really contribute. Um, luckily, because I'm a healer, I can run around and heal people and help out. But even healing's kind of weird in this game because you can only really try to heal each other character once per scene, once per session, which kind of stinks because it's like, okay, well, I healed the Jedi and this is this this big fight. And I guess they don't want it to feel like you're just spamming healing over and over and over again. But if that's what you're doing, if that's your character, I, I feel like you, you shouldn't be penalized and forced to go like, well... I've healed you, you, and you. Well, I'm going to go over here and just put my feet up and wait because there's nothing else I can really do. And people are, you know, yes, I can throw myself at the Rancor and, you know, with my brawn of two and no brawl specialty and throw a punch at it. I'm not going to do any damage. I have very little chance of hitting and I have every chance in the world of actually hurting myself. Yes, and I understand that people are going to say like, well, that's, you know, what would the character do? And you're right. To some degree, I shouldn't be thinking about it that mechanically. But when I look at a game, I have to think about this stuff. I talked about the dice, which the, the, the price thing is weird. The way they divided the books is weird. I hate the obligations, the duties, all that stuff. Both game, I tried to use it in my game, and I just, like, I hate doing the chart. I hate running it. It, it doesn't really add anything. It, it's an interesting idea, and I can tell that a lot of time and thought and ingenuity went into putting it all together but at the end of the day i just feel like that's like okay you could have just told me about your character and come up with a cool thing about them like you know oh i owe this guy a favor because he got me off this planet after you know my my former crew abandoned me okay 
maybe that character will show up again at some point. There's no reason not to do that if it adds to the story. We don't need a mechanical aspect of the game that says, because you rolled this, this happens on this occasion from your obligation or your duty. And I'm just like, no, I don't want that. We don't... I don't think that mechanicalizing role-playing games and role-playing in general is a good thing. If you can do something without a die roll, I think that you should just do it. Just simplify it. There's no reason to to add a whole chart and dice rolls to something that simple. It's it's overcomplicated. I'm going to get into some positives because I feel like this is a really negative podcast. So there are a lot of really great things about these books. First off, and this is just pure aesthetic, the artwork that's in them is fantastic. Uh, this is across the board. This is, you know, Age of Rebellion, uh, Force and Destiny, Edge of the Empire, the source books that I have, the starters, the starter sets that are out. All the artwork inside and on the covers is great. If this was just an aesthetic books, I would be 100% satisfied. I have no complaints as far as that goes. The lore in the books is great. There's, uh, I've got like Lords of Nalhutta, and uh, a couple of the other books that are basically they're just explanations of various aspects of the world. There are like source books that are, you know, there's like uh, Desperate Allies, which is a source book for diplomats, for characters who are playing like diplomats. Whereas you have books that are more lore based, uh, like Lords of Nalhada, which is this is a description of like what it's like in Hut Space, what planets are in there, who are the movers and the shakers, what it, what's it like in Hut Space during the Empire. Um, there's some cool races in there too. That's that's probably one of my favorite books. I really like uh, Lords of Nalhada. Um, so from a perspective of like bringing the lore in these series in these of Star Wars out and the artwork, a plus. They they did a fantastic job. Um, there's a lot of variety, which I really do like. Uh, in each book, you do see a, there's a lot of different ways to make your your character. Because basically, character creation, I'm not going to get into this too much because I did a whole character creation podcast. So if you want to really dig into the guts of character creation for this system, I did that. I, I made a, I made all the characters from The Force Awakens. Uh, the character sheets are actually available on that podcast. They're also available on the Out of Character blog. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes going through character creation, I promise. But... Just for example, so it's like, okay, I'm going to make my character, what am I going to do? I'm going to make an Athorian, and uh, what do I want to be? For example, in the Age of Rebellion, you're going to look, you have your careers. Careers are basically just, it's kind of like your class. And within each of the careers, there's different things that you're focused on. Like, let's say, I'm going to be an Athorian. I want to be an Athorian ace. I want to be a really good pilot, which is weird because Athorians generally aren't good pilots. But we're going to go with it. And um, he's I, I don't want him to be just a regular ace, though. I want there to be something unique about him. Because this character is an Athorian. Athorians usually aren't very good pilots. They're kind of... Their dexterity is not great. They're kind of big and not the most graceful of races in Star Wars. I'm going to make him a gunner. So we're saying, okay, so for my career, I'm picking the ace. And uh, for my specialization, I'm going to make him a gunner. So he's a character who's going to be, you know, he has some piloting skill, but I'm going to focus him more on being able to use, like, the big turrets like we see Finn do in, uh, the, Force, in the Force Awakens. That's one example. There are literally, uh, there are many, many permutations of that. Um, I do like that. That's fantastic. Variety is something I love to see in games like this because 
it a it ups the replay value because you're not just like okay what character class should i be uh well i've been this i've been that oh i've already made that again going very minimal on the number of classes and the number of kinds of characters you can make can be fun because it once you run with the similar classes in very different ways a lot this lets you play completely different things uh even if you're playing an ace every time there's numerous ways you can go about doing it um so that's great uh i really like the source books the source books are fun they are all very different um some of them are just like more options uh like uh desperate allies is a source book for diplomats uh special modifications is a source book for technicians stay on target is a source book for aces which adds more stuff like uh, and weird stuff like stuff that i'm just like this is so cool i'm really glad you guys put this out there but it's it's really unique for example and i'm just flipping up the book you have in the stay on target the ace book you have the beast rider maybe your character is an ace who's really good at you know using mounted animals like uh the big lizard bird thing that we see obi-wan kenobi riding around on in the last revenge of the sith i'm sorry i can't talk but that's an example of like there there's really interesting things in there They, they also throw in more races because there are a fair number of Star Wars races presented in the core books, but there are some noticeable missing person races. There's like, uh, you know, like there, there's weird ones that they throw in. Uh, Special Modifications has some really weird ones, like just super, super odd races. Uh, it has Dugs, which um, Sebulba is a Doug. If you saw the Phantom Menace, he is a Doug. Uh, it also has like Mustafarians and Bezalix, which I've never seen. I, I I think they must be in the expanded universe or they're in the backgrounds because I, I don't remember them from anything. But uh, so that, I mean, that's an example of some of them. There's like Chadra fans. Uh, there's in uh, Stay on Target. There's a couple of different ones. Desperate Allies. Desperate Allies has Nemoidians. You can make a Nemoidian character if you want to, which is funny. I, I think it'd be fun to make a Nemoidian just to try something different. It also has uh, the Gossams who were in the Trade Federation. No, they were in the Confederacy of Separatist System, of Independent Systems. They were not in the Trade Federation, I'm sorry. My mistake. Anywho, as far as delving into the lore and pulling up interesting, dynamic races and giving people a lot of options, fantastic game. Super great in terms of just... There's interesting mechanics and there's things you can mess around with and toy with different options and be like, oh, they have stats for insert your favorite Star Wars race here that you never thought would be playable that's so cool i have to get that book uh or they have like oh i really want to be like a propaganda character is there a thing for that yes there is you need desperate allies for the record the propaganda character in desperate allies just because people are he's literally called the propagandist (laughs) i love that um i want to make a propagandist at some point but that's a whole other problem so in terms of adaptability, in terms of creativity, when it's coming into the races and the classes, the careers and the specializations, fantastic game. I do want to talk a little bit about the starter sets because they're, that, that, that's what people go to is like a way to, to get a, a taste of these games. Like what's, what's this game like? Okay, uh, there are three of them, Force and Destiny, which I bought because I was planning to run it, the adventure that came in it at a local game store. I just think the adventure is boring. No offense, but it's one of those adventures that I feel like it's a first-time GM forcing the players through 
Like, there's no room to go over here and do this or go. And yes, it is a workable adventure. I feel like if I'm going to have to do that much work to make it something that I want to run, I am just going to start from scratch and do better. No offense intended to anyone involved. It is a workable adventure, and it is a nice structure for first-time GMs who are going to cling to that structure very, very dedicatedly, I think, in most cases. I just feel like it's, here's your track, stay on it. At one point, you are literally forced, your entire party is literally forced into holes, and they have to find a way out of the holes while creatures attack them. It, it's just not fun. There's some interesting stuff that comes with it. Uh, the map's pretty fun. And I think that one is just... What's a bummer to me is like that's the one that I think people are going to go for a lot is Force and Destiny because anytime you do a Star Wars game, people are like, I want to be a Jedi or Darth Maul or something weird. Age of Rebellion's a little bit better, the starter set, because uh, you, you're basically involved You're involved in a raid on Whisper Base. Uh, it's very, you know... Uh, cloak and dagger and sneaky and you're gonna have a lot of fun with that i think that's a, just vastly superior uh i do not have the starter set for age of uh, edge of the empire um by all accounts that the inventor in there is pretty fun um but i haven't i haven't really looked at it so i can't comment on that too much so if you're looking at the starter sets and you're thinking like okay should i invest in one of these is it worth it i would say right now if you're going to pick one up, Age of Rebellion starter set is your best bet. The beginner game for it is pretty solid. It does give you a good blend of different races and characters, and it does feel like the strongest of the three options. Now, they are coming out with a new beginner game, which I think that is the one that is going to be pretty interesting to see what they do. Basically, it's set during The Force Awakens. So you don't get to play as Rey or Finn, I don't think. They showed the character sheets, and it's just different characters, but they're on Jakku. Which, and also, these are all very determinedly not set during The Force Awakens era. They're all set during, like, the Empire, or just before or after that. Yes, you can change that. You can run things after the Empire, before the Empire. The game where I'm playing in is set, you know, during the Old Republic era. So don't don't feel constricted by that. You can do what you want to do. I am sure they will do books at some point that are going to be like, here's a source book for the Old Republic. Here's a source book for, you know, if you want to run stuff for, like, the new movies. There's a ton of books. That That's the other thing. There's just so many books coming out for these for this, these games. Um, there's source books that, you know, maybe you like Diplomats or you like Aces and you want to get those. There's an adventure book. That book, uh, I forget what it, I'm going to look it up. Uh, the adventure book is the worst one. There, there's a standalone adventure, and I, I hate it. I, I looked at it, and I literally was like, why would anyone buy this? Um, not, I'm not saying that about all their adventures. Some of them look pretty interesting. Like, um, the Jewel of Yavin has, like, uh, like cloud racing and thievery and huts and all this interesting stuff going on. I don't have a problem with that one. That one seems fine. There's some cool adventures. Uh, Mask of the Pirate Lord. Um, and I apologize because, again, there's just so many of these books coming out. I can't think of them all off the top of my head. But let me see here. Pulling up Fantasy Flight's website. I, I mean, I was in the store one day and I was looking because I had I had some cash on hand. And I was like, what, what cool book can I get? Because I want to really look at this more. I don't want to just kind of toss it in the garbage because I've put some money into it at this point. I'm like, okay, well, what what can we do here? What other 
books can I get to make this maybe a little more interesting, a little more fun? But yeah, I'm I'm not gonna worry about it right now. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a standalone adventure for like I think it's an Age of Rebellion adventure. There, there's some, most of the books are pretty good. They're just all the cheapest one I've gotten was Desperate Allies. That one was like twenty bucks. It was a real I was really happy to get it because it was a real bargain. In general, you're looking at between like thirty and fifty bucks for each of these books, which is expensive when you're already chilling out like you know fifty bucks or more for the source book just so you can be like, hey, I'd really like to have some more options. Oh, well, then here, have some more money. And again, that's just kind of Fantasy Flight. They, they make amazing games. Um, I have no complaints about Fantasy Flight as far as the quality of what they produce in general. But the trade-off is it's all very, very expensive. And it's not hard to figure out why, again, licensing Star Wars is going to be hideously expensive. They have to maintain it, which is also probably why we have this very rapid production schedule going on where... You are seeing a lot of books coming out. There's going to be... Basic, I, I think the long-term plan is there's going to be a book for every specialization and every career. They, I don't think they've quite gotten there yet. I know there's a couple more coming. They've done a, a source book for various worlds. So if you want like a book... Literally, it's just a book that explains like what's going on on these planets during the, the Rebellion. And it's as, it's as thick as almost any of the core books. It's huge. So yeah, that's another good thing. There is a lot of material. It's not one of those games that comes out and then you're like waiting a year or more. In the age of like games that go to Kickstarter and stuff, it can feel like it takes a long time for any additional material to come out. This is not that. This this has a lot of power behind it and there are things coming out continually. And I would say the majority of the time, the quality of what's coming out is astounding. I do love... The problem I have with this game at the end of the day is this. I think this is a fantastic game. I think there are five or six things that I don't like about it mechanically that you can just ignore. That That's the end result of that. You can just ignore the things that you don't like. Any GM will tell you. Homebrew is going to be a big friend of this game in the years to come. The cost is prohibitively expensive. It's a, not a cheap game to get into, and I don't know about you. Losing a D20 is no big deal. I can go buy a D20 at the game store for nothing. Uh, losing one of the dice in this game is irritating because now it's like, well, if I want to have a complete set or I want to have any spares, then I have to shell out $14. And that's as long as Fantasy Flight is making them because let's face it, games eventually do retire. This game will probably be around for a good long while, but eventually the dice will probably go the way of the dinosaur and you'll have to hunt to find them. People out there who are very smart, I'm not a clever person. I'm sure someone's figured out some dice app to turn these rolls into numbers or to convert the rolls into something more simple to use. So yeah, I mean, the the, the dice are just, it, it was just a bad idea. It was just a way to generate income on this and keep it coming. It really just takes the, it takes people out of the game and it's, it's another thing for the GM to have to learn. Also, kind of a GM gripe. I feel like what's presented in the books in, like, the running the game sections, they do give you, like, sample NPCs and, uh, you know, sample characters that you can use. I, I, some of them, I mean, there's, like, all these different kinds of stormtroopers, but I feel like there's things missing. Like, there's, like, there's no Jawas, which I know that seems like a stupid thing to gripe about. Like, there's no Jawas, but literally the first game I ever wanted to run, I'm like, we're going to be on Tatooine. I want to have some Jawas. There's no stats for Jawas. That stinks. There's no stats for Tusken Raiders. I, I may be wrong. I looked through the core books. I didn't see stats for Tusken Raiders anywhere. 
and they are not in any of the books that I have on hand. So, you know, that's irritating. Um, and yes, they they talk about like, well, you can just use this and swap some stats and add, you know, add this, that, or the other. I do like that they let you do weapon modifications. You can, you know, put in parts to your weapon to make it more effective or have a different flashy effect. Maybe you want to add like a stun setting to your blaster or something like that. You can do that. Again, that's very complicated. Oh, one thing that, okay, I really like Star Wars Saga Edition. This makes making a, this is so much easier to make a droid character in this. So thank you guys for that. Making a droid character in Saga Edition of Star Wars was such a pain because you literally built your droid and you had to pick all the different parts and there were all these special rules and it was just like, blech. Making a droid in this is you have different stats. There are some special rules, obviously, because you're a droid instead of an organic being. But it doesn't feel that different. It's like, okay, I have some more stuff and I get some bonuses, but I don't feel like I'm stuck figuring out the stats for my character an hour after everyone else is, you know, done and wants to play. No one, you know, one wants to be the last person there sitting there making their character and be like, I'm, st- I'm figuring out which way. Leave me alone. I got skills. I got troubles. The other thing that I wanted to mention is, if you're going to run this, uh, there are there is a, there are GM kits. Uh, the the GM kits come with really cool screens. They also come with uh, I got the one for Force and Destiny, which comes with additional stuff for like adventures, some extra creatures. It does come with like a little standalone adventure. It talks about how to make a lightsaber. Uh, it talks about doing a campaign at like the Jedi Knight level because what's presented in the books is kind of all-encompassing this is like okay your characters have reached a certain point where they are now jedi knights how do you run a game with such powerful characters so that's an interesting thing to do i I like that they put that out there not great that that's in a standalone for a gm kit that they may or may not want to buy instead of the book itself but what are you gonna do if i if you're if people are like wondering like okay so does he like this game does he not like it he keeps going back and forth i do like this game i don't like certain mechanical aspects of it and i do not like the business practice some of the business practices behind it i understand why they're there i understand why they are necessary in some cases i think that there were better ways to handle it i also think that fantasy flight tends to overcomplicate some of their product i enjoy fantasy flight i think they make a lot of great products uh, i like imperial assault i like twilight imperium the, I do. I like the action miniature game. I like this game. I'm not saying I don't like Fantasy Flight, but I am gonna say that. Some, oh, uh, we, I just got Curse of Fury of Dracula. I'm, I really want to try that out. Every time I sit down to play one of their games and look through it and understand it, the it, it's just like this is a game. This this is not fun to sit here and read this manual. The first time I sat down to make a character for this game, I was so confused within like ten or fifteen minutes that I just stuck it to the side and was like, I'm going to go do something else. And I didn't pick it up again for a month. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, I didn't do a review on it sooner. The first thing I do when I get a new RPG is I try to make a character in it because I want to see what kind of characters I can make and I want to see how hard it is. Because as someone who's usually GMing, that's usually the first thing people are going to ask is, I need help making my character. The process presented here is more complicated than it needs to be. Also, it feels like you don't really get any money. <laughs> you you get very little in the way of starting credits. Yes, you do get some stuff. Like it's like if you're playing Edge of the Empire, it's like okay, you can have a ship or you can have a base or you know you get 
Uh, no, you get like a base in Age of Rebellion uh, and a ship and stuff like that. But you get very little. You, you can you can trade for extra troubles, extra obligations and problems, which may or may not come back to bite you in the ass. In order to get more credits, I had one party member that did that. It didn't really do anything. I'm not saying that like I want every party to have a huge fortune to go buy stuff, but the 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 credits that you get are not in line with buying almost anything in this book or any of these books because a lot of the stuff like if you're a character who's like i'm gonna buy some armor and a cool gun good luck you're you're probably going to be crippled by obligations and uh have not even the gun that you really wanted you're probably going to have a scaled down version of the gun and maybe some armor and no basic equipment that stinks that's not cool i don't like that and i see no reason for it yes I understand that there are weapons and it's like, well, they have thermal grenades and detonators and 42 pounds of, you know, plastic explosive and a blaster and a grenade launcher and a rocket pack. Okay, fine. I'd rather they have the stuff that they want and have to take it away from them in one way or another. See, that's like the thing. If you make a character who's like, you know, he's a bounty hunter and he has all this gear, if if I'm really bothered by it, I mean, every GM has always got to at some point deal with the character who bought everything great that's a challenge to the character and me as a gm because the challenge to me is how do i work around this character who has all these different items the challenge to that player is going to be me eventually putting them in a position where those items are taken away from them or they're just used up you basically spent everything you had to get all these thermal detonators that's great now you need you know you've They've, they've been confiscated or you've used them all. If you're thinking about getting the books, I would say my cho- my, my first choice is Age of Rebellion. I think it's the strongest one as far as the, the starter and the core book itself. The source books are fun. If you're a big Star Wars fan and you're just looking to jump in, I think Age of Rebellion is where you're, you're going to have the most fun. GMs, unfortunately, I think to get the full breadth, width, and depth of what you're trying to do here you're going to be spending a lot of money to get all these books. I have not even got half of them, and I, I don't think I'll ever have all of them because it's just too expensive. It's it's too much money, and it's not practical to have it all. That's that's basically my my chief thought on it. Good, it, It's a really good game. There's some unfortunate stuff that came with it that I think it suffers for. I'm also kind of bummed that there's no minis for it. Uh, and I know people are saying, like, well, D&D has minis because they're in with uh, Hasbro and, uh, you know, the toy company, and they can get minis printed very, very, made very, very effectively and quickly, which I get. I understand that's a business. You need to make money. You need to work with a business model you can maintain. All I'm saying is, could we get something? Uh, I'm not looking for, I mean, you know, yes, we, I know that, like, there's the x miniature game. And there's the minis for Imperial Assault, which do lend themselves well. Pretty much all my Imperial Assault minis are being repurposed for this game. I'm not asking them to just start producing a line of minis, uh, you know, exclusively for the game. I get it. It's not going to happen. You know, a, a bulk pack of Stormtroopers or something would be nice. I'm just saying it helps out with GMs who, who want to use minis in these games. So yeah, if you're if you're curious about this game, I would say get the Age of Rebellion beginner box. I think that's the strongest one. If you want to take the leap and just buy one of the core books and give it a try, I would go with Age of Rebellion. 
as a GM, be prepared. It is the the dice are a jarring thing for most of the players that I've been dealing with, and these are people. You know, these are all walks of life as far as gamers go. These are people who've been playing for less than a year to people who've been playing for you know multiple decades. So yeah, that's you know it, it's consistently. I'm just like, why did they do this? Other than to make money, I can't think of another reason to do this. So these are just my opinions, by the way. So if you think I'm full of shit and I don't know what I'm talking about, I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you love maybe you love this game. I'm not trying to bag on anybody's love of this game. I really do like a lot of things about it. I, I would just change things, uh, and you know that's what we do in our game. It sends me because I've seen players who are new to RPGs who have started this, and they're just like, yeah, I'm not really into our game. Like, oh, why? And it's like. Uh, yeah, I just don't like that system. I don't like the dice. It confuses me. And that's that's really sad to hear. The game that we started, uh, Counterforce, it's not dead. It's just I felt like after our first session, I really needed to get into this system more and more to understand it because I felt like I was struggling to run the game. And I don't like that feeling. So I did get back to it. We will get back to Counterforce. I don't know if we'll continue using the Star Wars Fantasy Flight systems. We may go to Saga. We may stick with this. I'm I'm going to keep thinking about it. But anyway, guys, I know we haven't done a podcast in a while. I apologize for that. Uh, I basically took some time off to play in some games, try some stuff some stuff out, and just build up something to say. After a while, um, you know, we, we need to have time to play things in order for me to have stuff to edit. So I do have a backlog of things to edit, and we will be getting back to it shortly. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope to see you all back next time. Until then, we are out of character. Bye!